Where's my daughter? I don't know what you're talking you were about. You were looking through a window Wait last a night. I saw you across the courtyard staring into my daughter's room, both of them. You are a lunatic. Where's Julia? Hold it. A woman questions her sanity when her daughter seemingly goes missing on an airplane. Join us as we chat about why you shouldn't try to gaslight an engineer, the Mila Kunis movie that I don't want to watch, and terrorist plots that involve diarrhea. Explosive diarrhea. <laughs> then we find out if flight plan stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Test of Time podcast. My name is Alan Noah, and you, sitting across from me, you're James Brief. I know you. That's true. I am James Brief. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I know about you. Name one other thing you know about me. You are the co-host of the Test of Time podcast. You got lucky. I did. I did. So today, we are going to be talking about Flight Plan, which stars Jodie Foster, Last week, we talked about Contact, which also stars Jodie Foster. And I think the only other Jodie Foster movie we've done on the podcast is Silence of the Lambs. I believe so. Yeah. With special guest Courtney Noah, my wife. Um, So this was a movie that you picked. You put this on the list. Why? Well, uh, a few months ago, we reviewed a film starring Kurt Russell called Breakdown. That's and why I thought you picked this movie. Yeah, and for listeners that haven't yet uh, heard that episode, or, you know, that's the nice thing about our podcast. You really don't have to listen to every episode. Really, you can listen to the movies that uh, you care about. Very strongly disagree. You must listen to every single episode in chronological order <laughs> without exception. And so this movie has some story DNA in common with Breakdown. Right. That's a film where uh, Kurt Russell is just driving with his wife. Their car breaks down and she hitches a ride uh, with this pickup truck and then uh, she's gone and he drives to a coffee shop and he's driving everywhere and the police can't help him. You said that one of the most fascinating parts of the film where you didn't know what was going on. Is this all in his mind? Does Breakdown mean a mental breakdown? It's a little more straightforward of a kidnapping plot. And when you said, I wish it was more of a mystery of, did this happen? Is it kind of more of a Twilight Zone episode? And I remember uh, after that episode, I was thinking, well, if you wanted a movie where there is a vanishing family member and we don't know, is this a sinister plot? Is this uh, aliens? Is this uh, science fiction? Or is is this person gone crazy and and this person never existed? And uh, that's Flight Plan. I hadn't seen this film in... Probably 17 years. I feel like I saw it in the theaters, but um, it just suddenly popped in my head, uh, you know, when we were reviewing Breakdown. So I was thinking, uh, you know, let's do that film. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. And yeah, while I was watching this movie very quickly, I was like, oh, that's why James wanted to watch it. I get what he was thinking. Uh, But if people don't remember this movie or they never saw it, it's about an airplane engineer named Kyle Pratt, played by Jodie Foster. Her husband just died, and she's flying with her daughter from Germany to New York on a double-decker plane. Several hours into her flight, she wakes up and finds that her daughter has gone missing. 
Kyle panics and asks the flight crew for help, but they claim that the child was never on board. Undeterred, Kyle searches the plane on her own and with the help of an air marshal, all while trying to maintain her sanity. So this was a hit at the box office? I don't remember this coming out at all. The film had a big budget, a decent-sized budget, $55 million. It opened uh, on September 23rd, 2005, and it opened with $25 million on its way to $133 million domestically. That's a five-and-a-half times multiplier of its opening weekend, and ultimately $225 million worldwide. Wow. This is a big hit. I I really didn't expect it to be that big. Yeah, I mean, I don't— really remember it at all and uh i feel like this is the era when jodie foster stopped doing so many movies i feel like she kind of was in tons and tons and tons and then she kind of like slowly stopped i would have to imagine the budget mostly went to jodie foster i mean she's probably getting paid at least 10 million dollars for a film like this in 2005 because while the film takes place in an airplane it's probably just a set I don't know if you've ever been on this airplane. In the film, they call it an Elgin E-474, but it's based on the Airbus A380. Have you ever seen this airplane at an airport? No, I don't think so. I know I've never been on one. It's basically a cruise ship in the sky. I mean, this thing is enormous. And this idea of transporting, like, I don't know what it is, like a thousand people at once it turns out like you don't really need to transport a thousand people at a time. It's easier to just fly a few of them. So I don't believe this plane was that big of a, of a hit. But in some ways, this movie was basically the wizard for Airbus because it's based on the A380. And this is around when it came out. And there was a lot of hoopla for this airplane when it came out. It was the first major new airplane from them design in years. So I just thought it was interesting that they were highlighting it. Yeah, and honestly, one thing that I like about this movie, as opposed to Breakdown, is that in this movie, she is in a finite, confined space. If the daughter's real, she's going to be around there somewhere. And so it makes sense that Pratt is just, you know, bumping into the same people over and over again. And there's only so many places she can look. And it makes it feel really claustrophobic and panicky and what's going on. And that really works for this movie, as opposed to Breakdown, where they are in the middle of nowhere in the American Southwest, and Kurt Russell goes to the same diner like 78 times and keeps bumping into the same sheriff on that same stretch of highway over and over again, when like, that's not what would happen. She could be anywhere and like you don't get a sense of like that scope so i feel like flight plan does a much better job of containing the mystery and making it more believable at the same time yeah and i think one thing that this film does pretty well is it does a lot of misdirection there's definitely a mystery here like we said is this all in her mind or is there some kind of kidnapper and there are a few uh suspects uh there's a flight attendant that kind of is a little uh suspicious looking there's this air marshal played by peter sarsgaard there's a pilot uh played by sean bean mm-hmm. and because this film is filmed in 2005 there is another subplot that there are these two Muslim men and immediately she thinks that they are the bad guys. You know what I find unrealistic about that? And it's not even a test of time thing because I think it wouldn't be true now and it wouldn't be true in 2005. 
when Pratt starts accusing these Muslim men, there's one guy on the plane who's like, yeah, I don't trust him. I don't like the look of those guys. But it's only one guy who's like jumping on that bandwagon. I think on a plane that big, again, in 2005, and unfortunately today, there would be more people that would just be racist and blame the Muslim guys. And it really is just the one guy on this plane. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. People think that there's a terrorist on this plane. It would be absolute chaos. Something else just crossed my mind that I hadn't thought of before. If you normally have one air marshal on a flight with, I don't know, 200 passengers, say, if you have a plane this big with 400 passengers, wouldn't you have two air marshals? I mean, doesn't that just make sense? Well, was there really an air marshal on this flight at all? That That's the question. Wait, so Peter Sarsgaard is just posing as an air marshal? Maybe or maybe not. It's not made too clear. My guess he probably is an air marshal, but uh, it's so easy to ask your buddy in the booking. Like, my aunt, uh, she's getting married in New York. Can I, can I be on the uh, Berlin-New York flight? You know, they're going to do that for you. And so he was just posing as an air marshal. That's really interesting. I didn't think that. I thought that he really was an air marshal who was just doing this terrorist plot, I guess, uh, spoiler alert, belatedly, he's the bad guy. But the thing that I was thinking of was that post 9-11, when people were still a little iffy about going on planes, the fact that this movie makes an air marshal the bad guy Honestly, it doesn't even really matter if he was a real air marshal or just posing as one. That's almost like ballsy, you know, like when they first started accusing the Muslim guys, I was like, okay, if they make the Muslims the bad guys, that's so predictable. I hope this movie doesn't do that and, you know, give them credit that they didn't. But then the fact that they did make the air marshal the bad guy, I was like, huh, do they want to do that? Do they want to like make people distrust air marshals? I mean, yes, obviously people know that it's a movie and it's fiction and it's not real, but like, I don't know, you would think that a couple years after 9-11, the movie makers would want the air marshal to be the hero who saves the day, not the bad guy. I would imagine he is a real air marshal though, because he is trying to frame this woman and it's a believable uh, suspect because she's the engineer of the plane. She knows every nut and bolt in it. And maybe she killed her husband and maybe she's killed her own kid that he's basically framed her to look like she's done these things when in reality he murdered uh, her husband. There's a huge assumption that this film makes and the entire basis of their plot focuses on basically almost a social experiment, which is the anonymity of yourself in public. Do people really notice you when you walk by? And that's essentially the entire premise of the film, because nobody really noticed this kid when Jodie Foster was on. Because I think actually she boarded first, and no one quite noticed. No one looked in that aisle. And he even says later, no one even noticed that you were there. No one's lying. And you kind of think, like, is everyone in on this? How come the people behind her didn't notice anything? Yes, and I think that is a little unrealistic and a huge gamble that he's taking because there are kids in the row right in front of her and kids see other kids. They just do. Whether they want to be friends with them, whether they talk to them or not, they just know that they're there. And then there is a throwaway line at the very end of the movie when they discover that the daughter was real and she was really there. The little girl who is sitting in the row in front of them says, 
I told you I saw a little girl. So yeah, someone would have seen her. Someone would have made a mental note of like, oh, there's a kid. She looks sad. There's a kid. She seems well-behaved. I can't believe that of all of these people, no one would say, yeah, I saw her with her daughter. Two things about that. One, um, I saw this film, like I said, exactly once. However, I have thought about in the back of my mind the premise of this film for years. And I have done a slight little experiment on airplanes. And I've kind of tried to ask myself, what did the person behind me or in front of me or across from me look like an hour later? I can't remember. I look around and I go, does anybody notice I'm here? And I ask that because... I haven't interacted with anyone. I'm on this airplane alone. And even more so today with a face mask. I mean, a face mask could be a whole different other thing that would make it almost obvious that you're anonymous. But I think you could very easily never be noticed once on an airplane, especially with face masks. But even without them, you said it's unrealistic and a huge gamble. I disagree with the first one, but I agree with the second one. I'll bet you most people have no idea who they even sat next to five minutes after they leave the plane. But you're going to bet like all this other stuff, it has to be this plane. You can't keep doing this. It has to be that woman. There's a coffin on the airplane. You enlisted another air flight, uh, a flight attendant. That's your accomplice. So that part, in my opinion, seems to be too big of a gamble. Well, yeah. And there are other parts of this guy's plot that really don't make a ton of sense, not the least of which is the fact that he's framing an engineer. You and I know people who studied engineering in college. Those people are all really fucking smart. And we see that with Pratt in this movie where she just puts things together really, really quickly. She understands what's happening. She's seeing all of it and she gets it. And yeah, you can gaslight somebody and you can make somebody think that something isn't real or that maybe the daughter did die. But you're going to try to pull that shit with an aerospace engineer? Like, eh, maybe pull that on someone who never finished sixth grade and you'll have better luck. I wouldn't say you could never outsmart an engineer. I mean, I do like that they used her knowledge. Not she pulled a couple wires at, at strategic parts, but it wasn't like she was really rewiring the airplane. She wasn't MacGyvering everything. But there is a really cool part that they did not have to spoon feed you at the end. The nose of the plane is uh, wired with some C4. Jodie Foster takes her daughter and there's this little hatch and the air marshal's like, what are you going to do, blow us all up? She knows that that cabinet that she's hiding in is made of whatever metal. She knows the thickness of the, of the metal. She is completely confident in detonating a bomb eight feet away from her daughter that it's not going to hurt her. Because she even says, oh, no, I'm just going to blow you up. And it, it's kind of a cool thing. And then she closes the door and she's exactly right. She's unharmed and the guy blows up. Yeah, I guess I just don't really understand how she is supposed to be the terrorist. So her husband died and also her daughter died. So she demands $50 million and a getaway plane. And it's all because she knows the plane because she's an engineer. 
What? No, no, no. She needed the coffin on the airplane to smuggle the bombs on because apparently there's a line that they said they don't x-ray the coffins, which seems like they would x-ray coffins, but they would eventually find in this blown up airplane that the coffins had uh, smuggled bombs in it. They, you know, they would see the lining was ripped out or something. And they used her, like I said earlier, because she knew the plane and probably is something about she's disgruntled employee or something. And the idea was that she comes on the airplane, makes up this fake whole thing about whatever. She needs to ground the plane because she needs to escape. That is his idea of what he's going to sell to other people. But I still don't understand that. Her husband did die. So the casket makes sense. She, what, killed her husband and then decided to blow up the plane? Um, well, she killed her husband because she's a horrible murderer. So who cares about your husband? She just needed the coffin. I'm not saying that's a good plot, but that that is his explanation of what it is. Fine, but I'm agreeing with you that it's not a good plot. It doesn't make sense. Like, I understand that he needs to frame somebody else for his crime, but the cover story, I don't think, stands up to much scrutiny. And I just feel like it's not a great plan. And you know what? Honestly, that could be okay. Maybe this guy's not really good at being a terrorist. Maybe he's not so equipped to do something like this. I mean, it's got to be hard, right? But also, he does seem kind of good at it because he coordinated with like the coroner to fake the report about the dead husband and all this other stuff. So it just kind of took me out of the movie of like just trying to understand the machinations. And I think that it is unfortunate that the real story of what his plan is, is just so confusing and weird and doesn't really make a ton of sense because so much of the rest of the movie is really well orchestrated and well written and well delivered that that part I found really distracting. That's a very good point you're bringing up. The part that I didn't understand why did he blow up the girl? Like, what is the point there? Because doesn't everyone on the plane think that this kid is dead? And then they're going to find little nine-year-old girl parts in, in this explosion? I don't understand what that adds to it. I, I don't get it. And I also don't understand why this girl is alive. It's sort of like uh, in that movie uh, Face Off. Like, if you don't need this other guy alive, like, you know, if he wakes up, that's really going to ruin your day. And if this girl wakes up for any reason or even rolls over unconsciously and there's a huge thud below the pilot, like, they're going to investigate that. And it's not going to be the air marshal that they're going to let go down there. Good point. Does he say, like, they're going to find you and think you're a woman who blew up her kid and she's crazy? Because they already established that, that the kid is dead. Also... How is the air marshal going to get away with the $50 million? Like oh, I could tell you how he gets away with the $50 million, and he almost does. Because Jodie Foster has no idea that she's being accused of being a terrorist. Sean Bean, is, uh, the pilot, he's being told by the air marshal, you need to land the plane, and this is the account she needs $50 million wired to. Just have the company wire it now. Then we'll trick her and we'll get it all back later. And if you notice, he leaves the airplane because everyone deboards and the crew. And she's too smart. She figures it out because the pilot said, apparently, we have to do everything you say. So she realizes, oh, like, I'm the, uh, the terrorist here. So she demands when the air marshal tries to leave, she goes, 
because I'm, of course, the terrorist. You don't leave until I tell you to. His plot was just to walk out. He's holding the detonator. He's going to blow it up with her in there. And, oh, a weird thing. Strangely, all the money was withdrawn. Yeah, I guess my problem is, is that I like the idea of her being gaslit. And I like the idea that we, the audience, are questioning, is this girl real? Right. There's a therapist that comes in and almost gets her to almost admit that her daughter's dead. It's a really cool scene. And I'm like, this is the Twilight Zone. That's what this film is. Yeah. And it's like the unreliable narrator thing, like in Fight Club, where, you know, it's these two characters, but no, it's actually one character. We definitely have to do American Psycho at some point on the podcast, speaking of unreliable narrators. What about American Psycho 2, All-American Girl, starring Mila Kunis? Ordinarily, I would say yes to watching literally anything with Mila Kunis, but I am going to say no to that. Sorry, Mila. Still love you. Call me, baby. Uh, both you and Mila Kunis are married, presumably happily married, with children. Uh-huh. She's on the hall pass. I didn't say anything about a sexual relationship. I just asked her to call me. I mean, you're reading a lot into this. You'll watch literally anything Mila Kunis is in except American Psycho 2. No, Uh (laughs) I did not say that. I said I would generally agree to watch anything Mila Kunis is in. But, like, I feel like that stuff is really, really interesting in this movie. And I like it. And I like where it was going. And I do have to say sorry in an obnoxious kind of a way when the little girl made that heart in the fog on the window you know she's doing it because she sees the casket with her father and it's sweet but the second she did that i was like that's going to be a plot point later i didn't know exactly how i didn't know exactly what it was going to mean but i knew that it was going to come into play and that is the thing that is like the proof for pratt when she's questioning her sanity she sees the heart and she's like that proves that the little girl was here Although, if she was really genuinely delusional, she could have just made the little heart. It doesn't prove that the girl made it. But whatever. It was good enough for me. I, I was fine with that. Um, One random line that doesn't stand the test of time is when they're, like, searching for the daughter. A guy is like, I don't see what all the fuss is about. It's not like she lost her palm pilot. And- that, for 2005, was so outdated. I had a Palm Pilot, and I got it in 1999. Palm Pilots were a, a late 90s thing. There were Palm Trios and, and those things, but a Palm Pilot, that was a bad call on the screenwriter. You know, it's funny you say that, because I was just about to ask you, when did the trio come out? And I kind of forgot that the trio was made by Palm, because I do remember people talking about the trio as like, this is going to revolutionize how people work. You'll be able to work from your cell phone with the Palm Trio. And honestly, like, the fact is, this movie got the name wrong. But like, you could imagine someone today saying, I don't see what all the fuss is about. It's not like she lost her iPhone. Although I guess now with Find My iPhone, you'd be able to find it. Um, The overall theme of this movie is, I think, just protecting your kid and doing anything to protect your kid, to find your kid, to defend your kid. And I appreciate that. And I get that. That's been done in lots of movies. And, you know, every now and again, you hear those stories about, you know, the kid was trapped and the mom lifted the car. How? Because she needed to get her kid. And I think that's basically what this movie is kind of going for. 
And I think it works. You know, something else that struck me while we're talking about Jodie Foster, you mentioned this in last week's episode about contact, that she is the victim of sexism and misogyny in contact, in flight plan, in Silence of the Lambs. She's doing all of the things and people are dismissive of her because she's just a woman. They can kind of get away with that. Like in this movie, she is treated as a hysterical woman. And the word hysterical itself is like demeaning towards women because it comes from hysterectomies. I'm guessing you knew that as a doctor, no? They do not teach us the etymology of all words. And now we are going to teach you about hysterectomies. But first, you must know that the word hysteria is a misogynist, outdated term. Uh, you, you think they spend time on this in medical school, Al? Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, what else do you need to know? The hip bones connected to the something. I don't know. How long does it take? All you need to know is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Everything else comes from that. Well, fine. That is where I believe the word comes from. And they don't use that word in this movie, but they do sort of paint her character as a quote-unquote hysterical woman that we can just dismiss. She thinks she lost her kid, but she didn't. Who cares? Let's all go back to watching our movie. Oh, that's another thing that doesn't stand the test of time. The air marshal, Sarsgaard, he's like, I wonder what the movie is on this plane. Like, remember when planes had the movie and, you know, not like a selection of 35 that you could pick or the selection of 10 million that you could download to your iPad before you get on the plane? I remember when my sister and I used to fly unaccompanied. That would be like the first thing we would say when we got to the airport, when like our mom or dad would check us in. You know, they would be like, hi, we're checking in the Noah children. And we would just think, what's the movie on this flight? Like, that was the most important question in the world when you were about to get on a plane. What's the movie? But, James, let me ask you, do you think that flight plan stands the test of time? You know, um, I'll tell you what really works for me on this uh, in this movie. One, Jodie Foster. She's fantastic. She is not overused by Hollywood. I feel like you, you don't see Jodie Foster in too many things. And when you do, it's a pleasure. Agree. She should do more. I think like she kind of chose to do less, I think. I don't really know the whole story. I mean, I think she directs more now. I, I know she's directed some movies. Uh, she might do more behind the camera stuff. Okay. But um, Jodie Foster's great in this. The premise is very good in this film. Peter Sarsgaard, I think he acts really well. Sean Bean, I did not remember much of the film at all. I knew there was some betrayal, but I was like, oh, Sean Bean's the bad guy because Sean Bean always dies in all of his films, and I assume the bad guy dies at the end of this. But no, it's not Sean Bean, but I always like seeing him. Um, I really liked the misdirection in this film. I thought the misdirection was very well done. I kept forgetting who the bad guy was. I was convinced that one of the flight attendants, uh, Erica Christensen, I was convinced that she was the uh, bad person. The therapist scene was really good because I had already seen this film and I knew she wasn't crazy, but I was almost like ready to convince myself 
yeah, she's admitting that her daughter's dead. And I like the character. I think she's uh, she's intelligent. There's some diehard MacGyvering where she runs around the, the upstairs of the plane and she sneaks away in the uh, in the bathroom. We've seen that in films like Catch Me If You Can and uh, I don't know if Passion of 57 does it. But yeah, we've seen those things before when she goes down below. I like the cone of the airplane. We never see that much in the film. The problem for me is basically this film needed a script, Doctor. That's all. I told you I've been thinking about the the idea of this film, that could you go unnoticed on an airplane? And I've kind of thought over the years, yeah, you really might, but not good enough to really plot uh, this one shot at getting $50 million and everything has to go right, and not a single kid, like you're saying, saying out loud, like out loud, so people could hear, I saw a girl, and you know, you've had a kid on a plane, like kids can be pretty loud on planes, maybe she's very well behaved, but watching it this time, I, I just didn't see anything that allowed me to overcome these plot points, and the problem is, I think you could. Just have her asleep. That's it. Have her carry the girl on her shoulders. And you could even make it that the guy drugged her the night before, made her have a stomach ache, and she had diarrhea, and she's basically dehydrated, and she's passed out of mommy's arms. There. There you go. Nobody noticed her. The best terrorist plots always involve diarrhea. Explosive diarrhea if you needed to. <laughs> oh, hey, there I you go. see what you did there. That is what I did there. I think maybe I missed it, why the daughter was left to be blown up in the airplane. It just doesn't make sense, the plot to me. And it's a shame because everything else comes together in this film. You know, there was a reason I didn't ever see this film again. I feel like I left the theater disappointed in It's not like it's a horrible film, but I remember thinking like, "Eh, you know, I wanted better for my 15 bucks at the time. There was one flight attendant, that Erica Christensen, she seemed to have seen them in the beginning and were misdirected because she keeps saying, I don't remember. So you're convinced, oh, she's one of the bad guys. It turns out she really just didn't remember them. This is the flight attendant. She's going to take care of a thousand people, maybe. Like, there's no way she remembers this stuff. It annoyed me when I saw it 17 years ago. And it just annoyed me today that that plot that just, I wish it was better. So for me, it does not stand the test of time. What do you think, Al? Does flight plan stand the test of time? Well, I can't argue with any of the things you're saying about the bad guy's plot, because I totally, totally agree with that. And, you know, also the fact that he's willing to commit murder to get his $50 million. Okay, I get that. That's what a bad guy would do. But also the fact that it involves murdering a little girl, that makes him extra evil and Sarsgaard's good. And you can kind of see that he can be like a guy that is nice or maybe a guy that's a little creepy or maybe a guy that's a little weird or maybe a guy that's evil but like is he that evil that he would kill a little kid so yeah all of that stuff does bother me i i can't argue with any of that um thinking about this movie in the context of is it better than breakdown fuck yes like a million times better than breakdown i really didn't care for breakdown so that's setting the bar very very low But I found this movie to be intriguing mainly because of Jodie Foster and, you know, her amazing acting. And I will say that I was watching this movie on the couch with Courtney and Courtney was like busy doing work and not really paying attention. And she didn't care what I put on. And I put on this movie and 
she was watching it. Like, it sucked her in just because of, like, the what the fuck is going on kind of aspect of this movie. And I think that is something this movie has going for it. Once you start watching it, you do want to find out what the fuck's going on. Hopefully we haven't destroyed that for anyone who hadn't seen the movie and was curious to by explaining the plot. But I think that the movie does work with its misdirections, with with its twists and turns. By the way, uh, it made me think of it when you mentioned Erica Christensen with the misdirections. You didn't watch uh, Parenthood, right? The TV show? No. Erica Christensen played one of the siblings on that show. And we were trying to like place her. Like, where do we know her from? It was Parenthood, the TV show, not the movie. Um, I'm going to say that the movie does stand the test of time. Even though it's flawed, I enjoyed watching it. And honestly, like once I kind of got sucked into it, I really just wanted to know how it was going to go, how it was going to end. And even though the bad guy's plot is really hard to wrap your head around, I still say the movie stands the test of time. I agree completely with that assessment. It's a really intriguing plot and you really want to find out what the fuck is going on. It's just when you find out what's going on, it's still going to bother you. Also, I did Google it. Hysterical comes from the word hysteria, which comes from the Greek hysterikos, which I'm probably mispronouncing, meaning suffering in the womb. So basically, the ancient Greeks believed that when a woman was being quote unquote irrational, it was because her uterus was literally wandering around her body. So, yeah, that's pretty fucking sexist. It's not directly related to hysterectomies, which is what I said. But, you know, I guess it comes from the same root word, which is that if a woman is saying something that you don't agree with, it's because she's a woman. So, yeah, still sexist. But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about a movie that I've heard about, but I don't think I've ever seen a movie called Tank Girl. This was just described to me by a coworker who is telling me it's utterly batshit insane and he kind of just made me want to watch it. So fuck it. We're going to watch Tank Girl. I've heard of the film. I know it stars Lori Petty. I think it's based on a comic book. Yes. Yes, it is. So I'm looking forward to watching that movie. Guys, I've said it a million times. Going to say it again. Talk to us at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you think about Flight Plan, what you think about Jodie Foster. What other Jodie Foster movies should we do? We'll do more. I like watching Jodie Foster. She's great. And make sure you're subscribed to the Test of Time on whatever podcast app you like best. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, whatever. And we will see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.